Uh, today, we're going to be continuing our series, which is entitled The Bride. Uh, this is a four to five weeks, or rather, we've got four to five weeks left uh, on the series of what it means to be a church. And this is also uh, in tandem with part of the roll-up of membership for Mercy Hill. Uh, we've been having some conversations about that. In fact, this last Wednesday at our equip meeting, um, it was all one big question and answer uh, about the heart behind membership and, and the questions that people had and being able to go through that. And I just bring this up to say that if you miss that, feel free to ask questions. Feel free. This is, we can have a, a conversation if you want to know the heart behind the elders uh, and why we're, we're heading towards this. But this series also is presenting um, some of those things. Last week as we started the series, uh, we looked at uh, one of the foundational pillars of church and membership, which is uh, fidelity or faithfulness to Scripture. We looked at being washed in the Word as Jesus washes uh, the bride, which is the church, uh, in the Word. And uh, much of this series is going to be out of the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to head into Ephesians chapter 5, but before we do that, let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you. Uh, We thank you again for your holy word. Uh, We thank you that it is alive and active. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in guiding us and leading us, uh, correcting us uh, when we need it uh, to bring conviction and growth. Uh, Father, we just want to humbly submit as your church, as your body, as brothers and sisters, uh, to the work that you have within us. Uh, We pray that you, being our chief shepherd, would clearly guide us and lead us um, and help us to be faithful in following and growing uh, closer and closer into you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to read the, the passage in Ephesians again, kind of uh, establish where this is coming out of uh, as far as it being the bride. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Uh, And so again, we're we're taking a look at this passage and looking at what it means to be a church, to be something that God, that Jesus says, that's my bride. Last week, we talked about the joy of a husband watching his bride kind of turn the corner at a a wedding and, and seeing like that's what Jesus has for us. That's how he cherishes us. It's how he protects us. It's how he guides us and, and how he prepares us as well. A few other passages within this. In verse uh, Revelation chapter 19, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, and the fine linen re- represents the righteous acts of the saints. Second Corinthians 11 Paul's writing, he says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I've promised you in marriage to one husband a present to present a pure virgin to Christ. 
And so here Paul is saying, as an apostle and as an elder within these churches, uh, that he's, he's jealous for the church to, to grow up into what it's meant to be, to operate as it is meant to operate, um, so that it's prepared in growth uh, heading towards Christ. And so this series is all about looking at God's design uh, for the church. And this week we're going to be taking a look at the concept uh, of accountability uh, within community or accountability within the church. And we'll look at it in three different aspects. Uh, the first one is uh, accountability to Jesus, uh, accountability to leadership, and then accountability to one another. Uh, and so that first one we'll take uh, with Jesus. Uh, I think this is an easy one for us to kind of get through here. We're going to read a passage and, and just talk about it for a second. Uh, Paul prays here in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And I just want to pause there for a second before we read the, the rest of this passage. So, so Paul is essentially, he's writing to this church and he's saying, what my prayer is, is, is for your spiritual understanding to truly and fully grasp everything that Jesus has done for you. That, that you are his glorious inheritance. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within you. Like, like this is everything that God has done for the church in order to bring the church together, to, to be unified as the body of Christ. And, and so Paul's saying and praying, you really can't grasp this just with earthly mindset and wisdom. And so he's praying that there's a spiritual revelation, a spiritual understanding of what happens here. And then part of what he's saying is, I pray that you understand that Christ is raised from the dead, seated at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Praying that they understand how how holy Jesus is, how lofted up he is, how he's above all other things. And for us sitting here in 2023, I almost said 22, but 2023, um, it's something that we kind of look back on and we're like, yeah, Jesus is, is God, and so he created all things, and, and he's God, and he's going to judge, and he's God, so he's above all things. Uh, perspective of this is, this is written sometime about 50-ish years um, after Jesus died. And so they're looking at Jesus as, yes, being the Messiah, and this is part of that revelation of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit all being one because it's saying that Jesus has been lifted above every ruler, every authority, every power and dominion, every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. There is no caveat here that says, except for the Father, except for God. It's literally saying Jesus, and it's part of being one with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit, is above everything. And Paul's praying that they spiritually understand this, spiritually grasp this, because of what he says next. 
grasp. He's above every ruler, every authority, power, dominion, every title given, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So again, everything subjected under the feet of Jesus And Jesus is appointed as head over everything for the church. And so this is our first point here, is this sense of accountability of of being a church must first and foremost be to Jesus, who is the head over everything for the church. He is our chief shepherd. He is our ruler. He is our God. He is our Lord. And he is our Savior. And so there's accountability to him in this, which means that we're accountable to the design that he's then given to us and what it means to be a church. How should we interact with one another? How should we walk within this world? All of those things are in submission to him. The reason that this is also so important is pointed out in these two verses. He says, subjected everything under his feet, appointed him as the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of one who fills all things in every way. Where is the church within the body of Christ? Jesus is the head. Where is the church? Is it under his feet? It's his body, right? So if Jesus is the head, we're the body, then where is everything else? within creation. It's under Jesus. But because of his work on the cross, we are so unified with him. We're so purchased by his blood and adopted into him. And in John chapter 17, we looked at this, where his, Jesus' very prayer was, may they understand that the Father and Jesus are one, and that we are one with him, and that he is in us, and that we are in him. There is this supernatural unity with Jesus that has taken place through the work on the cross, which is why Paul is praying that the Ephesians would grasp this. They'd have a spiritual revelation of the importance of this, that we are unified with Jesus, and that's why we're his body. And then what that means is, because we're unified with Christ, we're then called to, at some point, Hebrews tells us we're going to judge angels, but, but also we're called to be the light in the world, we're called to cast out demons. We're called to pray for the sick to be healed. We're, we're called to bring light and advance the kingdom of God. And then everything else, including Satan and all of the demons, is, everything else is under the feet of Jesus, which means that it's under us as we're unified with him. We need to pray that we spiritually grasp this and that we live this out. And this is why, as elders, we feel it's so important to have this series and look what it means to be the church. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're skipping ahead a little bit here, Cooper, to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, it says, He gave some to be the apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So again, some prophets, some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, but what's their responsibility? To build up the saints, to to build up Christians. The the saints aren't something where you have three miracles and then you die and then you get to be on a plaque or a necklace. 
As soon as you're redeemed, as soon as you are bought by the blood of Christ, as soon as you are saved, as soon as you are born again by the Spirit of God, God considers you a saint, a hagias, a holy one. He's established you to be that. And so the church structure that Jesus died in order to purchase and then prepare his bride uh, is for some to equip the saints, but then all saints, including the ones that are equipping the saints, are meant to do the work of the ministry. This is never meant to, to be a one-man show. It's never been meant to be a staff show or, or whatever. It's meant to be the church being the body of Christ doing the work of ministry. Building up the body of Christ until we all, this is verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by the fullness of Jesus. This word fullness is talios. It means complete. It means filled to the brim. If you have a, a glass, like, like it's filled until the meniscus of the water is at the rim and you're going to spill it as soon as you touch that glass. That's the fullness that it's talking about. And as we do this, as we build up the body and reach unity within this faith, we grow into maturity measured by that absolute fullness of Jesus not on our successes or failures or how many people we have or how big of a budget we are or how flash we are, or how great our children's, like, but Jesus. I, I'd rather be built up into Jesus than some amazing show here on earth. Continues, then once we're built up and imitating Jesus, then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the te techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. This is why it's so important for us to understand Jesus is the head, we're his body, and then he has a design for us to be able to, to build one another up in love. That we're part of Christ's body and then everything else is under his feet. Uh, I didn't think to put this one in, but this is one of the most profound statements to me about the church is in Ephesians chapter 3. And in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, Paul is talking about, in verse 7, of this gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by working his power, um, continues on to bring light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things, verse 10 here, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that has been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's wisdom is to use us as a church. As messy as we can be, as imperfect as we can be, His grace and glory at work within us shouts the light and the hope of the gospel to the world around us. 
And not only that, it actually says this is part of his eternal purpose, his eternal plan. The whole thing where Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and they sin and sin enters into the world and through that we all inherit sin and we see all the chaos that has happened through all of that. And God in that moment is saying, well, I'm going to send a Redeemer, I'm going to send a Messiah, meaning he himself is going to come down to this earth to offer up a sacrifice to pay the penalty for sin so that we might be redeemed at that point as that was God's plan of redemption to reconcile mankind with him it was also his plan for the church to exist to be the body of Christ to be the revealer of God's wisdom to the world around us to to be his body to carry his authority to do what he has done in fact to do greater things than what he has done he's called us to do This is why Paul is saying it's so important and his prayer is that the church has a spiritual revelation. Jesus is the head. You're the body. Everything else under the feet. This is God's plan to reveal the gospel and this is why it's so important to be the bride that prepares themselves and lives according to the design of the church. According to scripture and God's plans and not so much our desires and what we think a church ought to be. But in submission to Jesus as the chief shepherd and the head over the church. This is why we have to have that accountability to Jesus Christ. The second aspect of this would be that submission and uh, accountability to leadership. Um, and, and this is when I get really nervous about this message. Because we're going to talk about elders. And I'm going to talk about elders specifically because uh, Mercy Hill holds for elders and pastors to be synonymous. The, the, the terms are used synonymously throughout Scripture talking about the same roles. And so if somebody is an elder within Mercy Hill, they are a pastor within Mercy Hill as well. And so as I go forward, I'm going to be talking about elders here. Um, but actually, that's not why I'm nervous and I'm still stalling because I don't want to get into this. Um, I've heard so many messages that are damaging when it comes to church leadership. I I remember being in a church and and there was a power struggle happening between the elders and and the pastor. And and he gets up and gives this forceful message about David and King Saul and and not raising your hand against God's anointed, not questioning God's anointed. and, And then a church split happens. I've seen churches where a pastor comes in, and and as he comes in, and he is uh, showing this usher manual for the ushers, um, it has for them in the middle of winter to go and clean off his car and and start the car uh, if he wants it to be started so that it's warm for him. And and my question, this this was literally, I was sitting in this meeting, and my question to him afterwards, because I didn't want to bring it up in front of everybody, is why just your car? Like, why not the handicap section? And, and, like, wipe off those cars and see if they would like those. Like, like why are we putting you on a pedestal? And, and so I'm nervous because so many times, and, and I'm guessing a number of you within this room can even think of times where, where people, elders or pastors, have stood up front using the Word of God in a way that does put themselves on a pedestal. That does say, honor me, 
Obey me. Submit to me. Don't question me. To, to the point where I don't like to give these messages. Because I, I never, ever, 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 ever want to come across in that way. I, I just, I simply don't. But, but if I'm going to be faithful and point to God's design for a church, that includes leadership and elders or pastors. Because that's what the Word of God says. And it just breaks my heart that you can look over centuries of the church and see how a power and authority and places of leadership have been abused and people have been wounded and have never gone to church again. That it's been used to, to raise up personal finances and live lavish lives at the expense of people within the church. We can look at the history of the Catholic Church and see how they instigated things like uh, purgatory and the offering in order to set your dead relatives free from purgatory. And then all that money went to build St. Peter's Basilica. Like I walked into that building and my heart broke. It's so gorgeous. But so many people were trod upon in the name of submission to leadership. Satan has done a number within the church trying to twist and distort what God's design is supposed to be. And in doing so, has created a mistrust in leadership. And sometimes justifiably so. But it doesn't change the fact of what God's design is. So within that, as we head into Scripture, and pretty much what I have here is just a number of Scriptures and then kind of a summary of the function of elders. Because I don't want to add anything to it, but I also don't want to subtract anything from it. So uh, Jesus, as he's doing his ministry, uh, chose the 12. And he told them to then go and make disciples. And so they go about on this great commission to go out and make disciples. Uh, part of this was appointing elders in every town that a church was established. Acts chapter 14 it says, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, and then on to 28. It says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Uh, right here, just this one verse to me is, is to me personally is such a weighty verse. And, and, and one that I struggle to understand how those that would use leadership to further their own self-interests. I don't see how they read this passage and, and break. Because literally he's saying, be on guard for yourselves and the flock or of the church, which the Holy Spirit has appointed you at overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church is purchased by the blood of Christ, brought together by the blood of Christ. And those that are called to be overseers, to shepherd that 
must have that firmly established. That we're just servants of what God has put together. Not rulers, not authorities over, not controlling, but a servant of what Jesus purchased with his blood dripping into the dusty ground of Jerusalem. We go into 1 Peter chapter 5. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. This is Peter writing. And so this is Peter saying, I'm also an elder, which is going to be a point that we're going to get to in a second here. Uh, But I exhort the elders among you as one of you um, to witness and witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, or Jesus, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. And so again, some instructions to elders, for them to shepherd God's flock, to do it willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, not lording it over, but rather being examples. And so there's aspects of leadership within this passage. There's aspects of of shepherding and overseeing that are brought out within this. And also within this same passage, it's saying to the rest of the church, be subject to the elders. That's a hard thing to say and accept. Be subject to the elders. It's a hard thing for me to say because I want you to be subject to yourselves and to Jesus. I mean, it's so much easier to be able to, for me to get up here and say, okay, this is what God says. Now you go do with it whatever you want, and I'm not going to worry about it. It'd be so much easier to be able to do that and just say, all right. But that's not what it says here. And it, it, I need to be subject to the elders, and you, we all need to be subject to the elders. We're not comfortable with doing that. We're not comfortable in submitting. We're not comfortable in in coming underneath somebody. But yet this is God's design. And, And so much so in God's design that it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. So in other words, leaders, elders, have humility in the way that you shepherd over the church, recognizing that they were purchased by the blood of Christ. And then for the church to have humility in willingly submitting or subjecting to the leadership of the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God will actively resist leaders who in pride rule over and tread upon the church. And God will actively resist. This is God resists the proud who are in the church who do not subject and do not submit to the leadership that God has designed and purchased with the blood of Christ. All done within humility. All done reflecting out of Jesus. Verse 6. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, because he may, so that he will exalt you or may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. This whole thing within context is saying this is the design within the church that, that imperfect humanity can make really difficult at times. But here's the design. And guess what? Here's the design because he cares about you. So therefore, as we look at all of this, uh, functions of elders are guarding the church, shepherding the church, keeping watch over members, guarding sound doctrine, guarding the teaching of that to make sure that it's not being led astray, being overseers, setting an example, and to have the mindset of Paul, where Paul says in 1 Corinthians, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So again, all of this leadership is meant to be in imitation of the chief shepherd of Jesus. And to the extent that an elder is able to do that, it should make it much easier as part of the flock, as part of the congregation, to say, I'm following Jesus. And I'm following the design of Jesus. And I see that our leaders are following the design of Jesus. It makes it easier to live that out. Again, this is not following blindly. So Acts chapter 17, verse 11, is talking about the Bereans, right? So here's a group of people that examined the scriptures daily to see if what they were being taught was true. And they were actually commended for that and considered to be more noble because they did that. So again, this is not a, a blind following of the church that blindly follow leaders uh, to wherever they go. It's part of the abuse of the Catholic Church in the Dark Ages because the church didn't know how to read. And so they were f- following blindly. And, and that's where some of the greatest atrocities happened. And so as God designs our church... And, and designs us to follow after him. There is established leadership that have clear roles described by Scripture. There, there is a clear calling to be subject to that authority given within Scripture, but also to be able to examine the Scriptures to see if it was true. And, and so again, I've said this a number of times. Please don't ever take what I'm saying. Don't take what I'm saying right here and right now as, as go to the scriptures and see. If you're struggling with the concept of submitting to leadership, to elders, go to the scriptures and see. And everything that you look at should point to the same things that I'm saying. Wrestle through that. And then you have to choose. Do I choose to follow God's design as laid out in Scripture? Or because I'm uncomfortable with it, I'm not going to do something else. So again, here's this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. uh, Another one is where the church is not to follow begrudgingly or stubbornly. In verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Uh, And so again, kind of that that sense of of heaviness within this passage, within God's design. Heaviness on both sides. Heaviness for those who are elders, because they have to give an account for the flock that has been put underneath them by Jesus Christ. 
And then for the, the church itself to do it because these elders are keeping watch over souls and to do it so they can do it with joy, not with grief, because if, if it's done with grief, if it's done with stubbornness, it's not profitable for you within this passage. So again, things to, to put out, to consider, here's God's design as a church we want to follow with and submit to Jesus Christ as the ultimate authority, his plan, then we try to look at and structure within this as we go forward. Now within the context of membership that's rolling out within Mercy Hill, there's a few things within here that I want to point out quickly before we head on to the next one. The first one being that there are multiple elders across three locations. In this one, there's Christian and I. In Lake Country, there's Kevin and Chris. And then in Bayview, uh, there is Tommy and Jesse and Phil and Ernie and Larry. Did I get everybody? Okay. So there's, there's names. You can go online and you can see their pictures. And I think we're going to be working on some, some bios and, and stuff like that. So as we're, we're saying this here, and we're saying that as a church, uh, we're called to submit to the elders. Uh, there is a question that generally comes up where, okay, Christian and, and Joshua are here, but, but who's Phil and Ernie and Larry and Curly and Mo? And, right? So, so who are these other elders? And, and so it's something that we've prayed about a lot uh, within eldership. And one of the things that we point to is this passage that we just went through in 1 Peter chapter 5. So again, this is Peter writing. He says, I exhort the elders amongst you as a fellow elder. So, so here's Peter as an elder writing to a congregation. And with that, there is this call to, to submission and, and God's plan. Now, now, Peter was also an apostle within that sense. But then you take this same concept and you go back into the book of Acts when there was questions that were taking place regarding circumcision. Because a lot of Gentiles were coming into the church and were wondering, do we need to get circumcised? And, and so Paul goes and he takes it to the elders of the church. He takes it to the council and, and they wrestle through and they pray through what's God's design in this. They come to a decision or guidance from the Holy Spirit for the whole church and, and then say, all right, this is what we're going to tell. You don't have to be circumcised. And, and then there was a few other things with that. And then they sent it out to all the churches. Now, all those churches were under the expectation of, this is what's coming from your elders. So, again, we could do better, and we're looking at putting some things in place, uh, getting uh, preaching rotation happening again so other elders are here. Uh, Larry was here just a few weeks ago, and you're able to meet him if you wanted to meet him. And so we acknowledge there's some things that we can do better to help you understand who the elders are. are. But the scriptural basis where we're comfortable before God saying that, that I'm an elder over Lake Country and Bayview is established off these passages. And in a sense, for me, I trust uh, Kevin and Chris out at Lake Country. I trust the other elders that are in Bayview. And as things come up and we meet, we share those things. We pray about these things. And we're asking the Holy Spirit to guide us as one church. And then I trust that they go back uh, in order to do this. So this trust involves knowing the heart, watching the fruit of people, uh, but it's also a trust in the Holy Spirit. 
that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us and, and trusting that if there's something off, if there's something off with, with any elder in any of the locations, that the Holy Spirit will bring that to light uh, in order to go forward with that. But that's where scripturally uh, we're structuring some of these things. Uh, and then the other aspect in regards to uh, membership is coming out of Hebrews chapter 13, where it says, again, obey your leaders, submit to them since they watch over your souls as those who will give an account, to, to give an account of the people that are part of that flock. And so this is another aspect of where we're looking at, uh, where we're going to be uh, initiating membership so that we know who are the people that, that I have to give an account for. Because one of the things that happens with church is um, somebody will come and, and they'll be there for two weeks up to a year sometimes checking out whether or not this is the church that they want them to be. And, and all along, really not submitting to the authority of the church, but just checking it out in a consumeristic mindset of, I like the worship, I like the children's ministry, I like this, I like that, I like the preaching, but not really coming and saying, this is where I belong, this is where I'm going to contribute, this is what I commit to. And, and so in that, it's hard to ask as, as leadership to say, well, I have to give an account for somebody who, who's not willing to actually submit a scripture that's not falling in under the structure of scripture. Uh, and so this is one of the things that as we've been praying is going to help us to be able to say, here are the people that are committed to this body, committed to uh, work through, to rejoice with, to suffer with, to go through life with. These are the people that are here. These are the people that I have to give an account for. And it's not every random person that just comes and checks out and, and is looking for a consumer experience, but those who are committed to the church that we are committed to. Uh, and so that's another aspect of why we're doing membership is this passage. Again, if you have other questions on anything else, please, I invite you to come and, and ask and talk to me and Christian uh, about it as well. Um, the last part, or the third point of this, of being a church, uh, is accountability to each other within community. We already looked at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, where there's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teaching, um, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So that as a community, building one another up in love, we grow into the body of Christ. So again, this is meant to be done within community. And one aspect of leadership is that the elders should still see themselves as a sheep also. And needing to be part of that body. And need, I need you. I do. I need you. I need your support. I need your prayers. I, I need, if I slip on something, if, if I don't act like Jesus, I need you to lovingly come to me and say, that hurt when you said this. Or that came across as control. Because it's not what I want to do. Jesus bought us. And, and I'm going to be imperfect at times. But I'm part of us as well. And, and, and if you ever see me act in a way contrary to that, please let me know. 
we're accountable to each other within community. Ephesians chapter 5 says it this way. Pay careful attention then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and making music with your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to the God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. This passage, again, paid careful attention. How you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Because the days are evil. And, and so therefore, hunker down in your homes, isolate yourself, stock up, and get ready because it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's not what this passage says. It says the days are going to be evil, so don't be foolish. Understand the Lord's will. Gather together to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making music. Gather together. Go through this life together. Submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Proverbs chapter 27 says it this way. Iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. It's this whole concept that for me to be more Christ-like, I need you. And for you to be more Christ-like, you need each other. We need to press in. There's going to be conflicts at times. There's going to be hurt at times. And next week's message is all about how we're able to have unity despite our differences and despite the pain and, and imperfection that we have. But the whole point of this message is this is God's plan for us to be unified, for us to be a body together, for us to encourage one another, to submit to one another, to submit to leadership and to submit to Jesus Christ as the head of the church. And again, the reason that this is so important is Jesus is the head, the church is his body, all other things are underneath the feet. God's perfect Wisdom is to use us as a church to reveal the gospel and his purpose to this world. The reason that we need to submit to one another, the reason that we need to be accountable to one another, is to hold each other to our profession of believing that this is truth. That all of this is truth. And that if we live our lives according to that truth, all things are underneath the feet of the church and of Jesus Christ then we get to live as we're called to live. And so I want to be accountable to that because I want to live according to this truth. And so if you see me not living according to the truth, my choice is, my commitment is, I want you to tell me. It's another aspect of membership. And what we're doing here uh, is to be able to have that, to know who is signed up for and has committed to that submission to one another. In other words, saying... I want to live according to the truth, and if my brothers or sisters in love, who love Jesus and love me, see me living a lie or not reflecting Jesus Christ, my active conscious choice, not my feelings of being judged or not judged, my active conscious choice is I want them to tell me even though it might be difficult and I might need to work on some stuff within me, I want them to tell me because that's the process that God uses to build me more up into Jesus Christ to reveal his wisdom to the world. 
And so that's why we're doing membership as well, is so that as people sign up for this, they're saying, I want to be a part of that. I want you to come and share this with me. And then if people don't want that, they're not on that list. And so therefore we know they want to be left alone. And because they want to be left alone and they don't want to be accountable for walking in truth, then I know, then Christian knows, then the elders know, that's their choice. And I don't have to give an account for their choice because they haven't submitted to the design of the church as God has laid it out. We desire this accountability in order to give an account for our ability. I didn't come up with that. Somebody else said it. I really like it. Again, accountability is not necessarily, all right, tell me what you're doing wrong. But rather saying, here's your potential in Jesus Christ with the power that raised Jesus from the grave that's at work in you to be the light of the world. How can I help you do that? How can I help you to live up to that ability? Again, the design for the church is for the, uh, pros- the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists to equip the church to live out according to their ability and what Christ died for them to be. And we want accountability because of love and the need that we have because it affects all of us. Again, speaking the truth in love, let us grow every way into him, who Jesus, who is the head, From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. We want accountability because the scripture tells us I can't have the fullness of life as a son or daughter of Jesus without the accountability of community living within the structure. We can talk about the gospel, we can talk about forgiveness of sins, all a necessary foundation that we are free because of what Jesus did at the cross. But what's included in the gospel is his blood paid for the church, and then as we walk in freedom from sin in community with others, committed to this relationship and role outlined by Scripture, that's when we walk within the fullness. That's when Scripture tells us we're built up into the fullness of maturity of Jesus. We can never do it alone. We need each other. Father, we come before you. I uh, thank you for your word. Um, and Lord, I just pray for the protection of your Holy Spirit over our hearts and minds in this. Um, Lord, my, I just trust you. There's been so much wounds and damage by leaders uh, claimed to be shepherds of your church that has made it difficult for us to fully walk out what Scripture says. And, and Lord, we don't want to be a church that shies away from the fullness of what you have And we just want all of it. We want to be your body. We want to live according to truth. We want to see that full maturity, uh, the fullness of Christ. And we want to get out of the way as individuals of that. So for myself and for Christian as elders, As under-shepherds, we pray that you would clearly guide us and convict us of anything that we need. 
teach us how to shepherd well as leaders through the other elders and pastors of Mercy Hill as well. And for all of us, teach us how to be good sheep that submit to your design and to your purpose, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.